welcome everyone. We are passionate at Church Alive, helping people fulfill God's potential for their lives. And that means developing, building, coaching, inspiring leaders. And so I hope you'll have a leaning factor that today you can grow. Today you can take on a new mentality, a new mindset. And as you allow God to prune you, lift you, other people to inspire you, learn from you, you can become all that God has destined you to become. I think that's pretty exciting. Church Alive College starting. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to pray. You doing good? Can we put our hands together for all those watching online right now? Welcome. I think each new year needs a new declaration. How many need to change some speech that was defeating you perhaps in 2020? So I want you to declare with me. Say, I declare that I am an overcomer. In Christ, I overcome. It's what I do. I declare... The grace of God is for me. I declare today I am His child. His Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Holy Spirit, I welcome you in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for every man, every woman, every family represented right now, or those in the auditorium, those in the overflow, those watching online. Father, help your servant, Lord, by the power of your Spirit, impart wisdom and strength, lift someone who so needs it today. God, I pray for anyone just dealing with things that they just feel like they're under something. God, that by the power of the Holy Spirit and by a picture of a new vision, that they would rise above it and the things that have hindered them and bound them in the past would not be their future. But God, there would be a glorious story of Your grace, I pray. In the powerful Name of Jesus, and everyone said, come on, give the Lord a hand one more time. Great to be in church, isn't it? Can we thank our worship team? My wife and I were just thinking, Jack Matias, this guy right here, our drummer, was with us from the very first service ever, (laughs) ever, and uh, got a flourishing business, beautiful wife, kids, and uh, great to have you, man. You guys can go. You seem to be staying, but you can go. You guys can sit. Thank you so much. He'll cut your grass if you need it, by the way. He'll do a good job too. Amen. God's invitation, God's declaration for your life is overcome. Someone say overcome. It is the invitation of Scripture and the declaration of Scripture for you and I to live life as an overcomer. But God also gives us a path and that path must be walked out on a daily basis by you and by me. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, he said to be a Christian without prayer, someone say prayer, Prayer. someone say it's vital, vital. is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. I want to talk to you today about a divine focus. If you like to take notes and I think you'll have a special place in heaven because you'll be an encouragement to preachers. Uh, If you like to take notes in church, uh, write this down, a divine focus. Sometimes I preach sermons and I forget to give it a title and people come up to me, what's the title? 
I was like, well, did you take points? What's the main point? Call it that. But anyway, I thought I, I've told this story before, but I think it's going to help you. Someone said it's going to help me. Um, a couple of years ago, I don't remember when it was, but I went apple picking with some friends and, and a beautiful fall day. And, and um, you know, those days, how many know that uh, women don't believe you've actually done it unless you've taken a picture of it? And that was one of those days. And, um, but anyway, there was this moment when there was a praying mantis, a huge praying mantis on, I don't know, this little tree. And, and all of us gathered around this praying mantis and we're all staring, like four of us are literally staring at this praying mantis. And I'm staring at it, like looking it straight in the eye. And, and all of a sudden I notice he starts staring at me. Like there's four of us looking, but for some reason he literally looks at me, like staring at me. And then he does this weird, (laughs) and it felt like one of those alien type moment movies when all of a sudden you thought it was a friendly alien and it wasn't a friendly alien. That's how it felt. Like on the inside, my inside went, oh boy. So this praying mantis is looking directly at me. It's like we're having this weird divine moment. And then he goes, and then he jumps on my face. (laughs) It was not my most manly moment. I'll be really honest with you. I screamed like a little girl. I was like, "Ah!" (laughs) these things are demonic. I never thought I'd be, I'd be scared of a praying mantis, but when, he, when you're focused on it and it jumps in your face, how many you know, it'll, it'll, it'll turn a Navy SEAL into a little 12-year-old girl in a moment. <laughs> Speaking of small things, how distracted are you? How distracted is your life? I was... Uh, listening to an amazing talk recently by Craig Rochelle on leadership, and he, and he quoted this from Business Insider magazine. He said this, the typical person, Business Insider magazine did a, did a uh, study and said the typical person touches their cell phone 2,617 times per day. And if you're on the extreme of that, unfortunately it might be if you're young, you might touch it 5,400 times per day. Therefore, social media, uh, the average person is on social media 145 minutes per day. And then it kind of gets even worse that then it means you are spending seven years of your waking life on social media. You have to deal with distraction, don't you? I have to deal with distraction. Some of you are more focused people than others. And depending on your personality, your upbringing, uh, your discipline, uh, what's happening in your world, even in a talk like this today, you could be divinely like kind of focused and someone right next to you is thinking about the lights and thinking about the pictures and, and thinking about how come the baby's crying? How come this is happening? And how many of you know that sometimes focus is our great struggle. If I'm honest with you, I am not the most easily focused person. Some of you are like, I can tell. (laughs) What's interesting is I'm actually quite focused, but then how many know that it's easy to get unfocused? 
Like I am a, I focus on my morning. I believe in having an intentional kind of transform morning is what I call it. And I work on that. But then I actually notice too that sometimes I get distracted in my mornings. It's interesting that you can believe in focus, but not do focus. How many believe in focus? Say yes. How many struggle with focus? Say yes. Craig Rochelle says this, true success isn't about doing more. True success is doing more of what matters most. I believe this, that a divine focus is what God wants to give you, but it's not a gift. It is the constant work of putting the most important things above the least important things. Wouldn't you hate to go to the end of your life and someone gave a speech at your funeral and they said they would have been awesome. (laughs) They would have been awesome, but they were so distracted. They would have been awesome, but they were so into their hobbies. They would have been awesome, but they were such a New York Yankees fan that they thought they were on the team. Have you ever met that person that the whole basement is, 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 it almost looks like $20,000 has been spent on you at Yankees gear and you're wondering why they can pay them so much. You're the reason. (laughs) Philippians chapter three says this, brothers and sisters, he's speaking to every believer in Christ. He says, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, someone say one thing I do. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind. Let me say this today. One of the best things that you and I can do is forget the past mistakes, forget the past hurts, forget them, forget them, get wiser from them, but put them behind you. If you've been a Christian a long time, forget what you used to serve in. Forget it and put it behind you and begin to push forward on what God has for you now, the season you're in now, the life you have now. He says this, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Paul is literally at the end of his life, almost at the end of his life, but he's still pushing forward, which means to tell me he has a divine focus about his life. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me. Someone say, God has called me. Say it with me. God has called me for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Verse 10 tells us that His purpose was to know Christ. Let me suggest to you today that the best year of your life could be 2021. 2021. What did I say? 2021. Let me have a little drink of water. But the best year of your life and the best year of my life could be this year. If I press forward into what God has for me this year and I develop the key relationships this year, yeah. are you with me? Yeah. We are still learning from the Apostle Paul's leadership because he had a divine focus. Let me give you one more Craig Michelle quote because I think it's awesome. He says this, as a leader, you'll never make a big difference if you're constantly distracted by small things. You're like, well, Anthony, I'm not a leader. Well, you got to lead you, don't you? Every Christian should consider themselves a leader because you have to lead you. 
And then the truth is that leadership is influence, according to John Maxwell, the leadership guru. And so if leadership is influence, then you better lead yourself because someone's following you and someone's being influenced by your life. Someone's being influenced by your faith. Someone's being influenced by your love. Someone's being influenced by your commitments. Someone's being influenced by you. If you're a mother in here, you're a leader. If you're a father in here, you're a leader. If you're a friend in here, you're a leader. Someone say, I better start leading. leading. We see this in the life of Jesus, this divine focus at a young age. And sometimes when we hear Scriptures about Jesus, we go, well, that was Jesus. But I want you to see this now, that in Luke chapter 2, verse 49, there is this burning commitment. There's this divine desire. There's this divine focus that he has. He says, why were you searching for me? He says to his parents, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? He has this divine commitment to the call of God, but this divine commitment to the place where the call of God is actually commissioned. Hear that again. I believe if you're a Christian, I believe you need a a divine commitment to God, but you also need a divine commitment to the place He has called you, but will commission you. Because how can I fulfill my destiny if I'm not planted in the house that God is building? Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 19, 10. He says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. It's 13 words, but it is really the mission statement of Jesus. Why did Jesus come? To seek and to save that which was lost? Are you glad He came to seek and to save that which was lost? Say yes. This is why I say our church will always be too small because how many know Jesus' mission statement wasn't just a couple of hundred people. He said, no, go into all of the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And whoever that's everyone believes in me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Watch this now in Luke 9, 51. We see His divine focus. When the days drew near, when the days drew near, my goodness, you're doing better than you think you are. No, you're not. <laughs> when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Some translations say he set his face like flint, like a rock, because he actually knew he didn't just come to serve. He didn't just come to teach. He didn't come to just do miracles. He didn't come to cast out demons just that, though he did all of those things. He came to die for the sins of the world. And he already knew that he was going to a place where he would be punished, where he would be beaten, where he would literally take your sin and my sin and the sin of the entire world. And how many know that wasn't fun? but he knew that his purpose was bigger than fun. It's interesting that Jesus had, actually the Bible says, more joy than all of his brethren, which means he was a man of joy, but incredible purpose. Man, I hope I can be that person, right? A man of purpose, but incredible joy. Someone say you can have both. You can have purpose and you can have joy. You can have purpose and focus and meaning about your life and joy. Doesn't mean every time you have purpose, doesn't mean you're gonna be intense. 
You ever seen someone there intense? No, I'm on mission. Don't talk to me. I'm in mission. You're like, no, you're weird. You've got a weird mission. Because Jesus said the great commandment is to love God. And the second one is to love people. And so relating to people is one of the key things that you and I must do in life. Wouldn't you say yes to that? It's, it's, it's funny, I think about this often for some reason, that most of us, when we think of our mothers, most of us think they were amazing people and your mother didn't walk around like, I'm on mission to be an amazing mother. No, they just loved a lot. And then you look back on their life and go, oh, they were amazing. Numbers 13 verse 33 says this, Ten leaders walk into the promised land, same promise, same place. And they say this about it. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak from the Nephilim. And we seemed like grasshoppers. Someone say grasshoppers. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. What's interesting is that 10 of them had a problem focused but two of them had a divine focus. And the ones with a problem focus saw the problem and the problem became the problem. The problem of the problem isn't the problem. The problem of the problem is your perception of the problem. Haven't you noticed that? Like, isn't it interesting that some would see a problem and go, my goodness, there's nothing we can do. Yet someone sees a problem and says, there's everything we can do. Your perception and my perception of perhaps a marital problem, perhaps a faith problem, perhaps a sin problem isn't really the problem. But if you get a divine focus about it, you'd be surprised what you could accomplish in Jesus' name. Sometimes we have a problem focus, don't we? Sometimes we have a past focus. Sometimes we have a pleasure focus. Ever been guilty of that? How many of you ever had a people-pleasing focus? How many had a latest drama focus? Oh, the latest drama. (laughs) How many had a hobby focus? None of you. (laughs) The men in here like, should I put up my hand? And the woman's like, yes. Maybe you've had a gossip focus, a sin focus, a self focus, but let's be honest, all of us can be unfocused. But I pray this year, your life and your family and our church would have a divine focus. I pray that for us, but I don't believe it just falls on you. I believe there are moments where God imparts something to you, but I do believe we have to work on our focus. I believe we have to work on our priorities. I don't believe in putting core values on a wall and then go, well, that's just gonna happen. Have you ever noticed that when you go to Chick-fil-A or Burger King, you have a different experience? It was my pleasure to serve you today. Like, oh, lovely. Isn't it amazing that one word in their statement makes a completely different experience for you? It is a pleasure for me to serve you today. Or, here you go. (laughs) One place is ridiculously clean and the other one hasn't been mopped in a while. Both of them have core values of customer service, don't they? But both of them don't seem to work as hard on those core values. 
See, a lot of Christians have a belief that Jesus should be priority, but how many know you need to work that? You need to work it in your money. You need to work it into your calendar. You need to work it in your life. You've got to wrestle it down to the ground. It doesn't just jump on you in a moment. You're like, oh, I'm an angel now. And you just walk around and when you fart, Febreze comes out. Some of you like to joke in church and something like, I'm not sure that's appropriate. <laughs> Here's what I really believe. I, I really believe this with all my heart that the house of God should be a house of joy. God's mission is serious, but if we take ourselves too serious sometimes, we end up being just uptight and annoying. Watch, watch Jesus' divine focus. If I would summarize Jesus' divine focus, let me give you four quick points on this. Again, this isn't the four points of the message, it's just subpoints. Have you ever heard of subpoints? Yeah. Sometimes I do leadership talks and there's like 18 points. They're like, which point is this one? I'm like, this is a subpoint. <laughs> of the 18 point? Yes. Jesus' divine focus was this, love God. He said, it's the greatest commandment. He said, love people, it's the second greatest commandment. He said, I'm here to seek and to save the lost by dying for the sins of the world. That was his mission. But then he had another thing, build leaders who will carry on that mission. Someone said, divine focus. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, a man who won't die for something is not fit to live. A man who won't die, you see, when you've determined what you're living for, you'll actually know what to die for. Joshua 24 verse 15 says this, as for me, he says, in my house, we will serve the Lord. It was a statement and a declaration that God was the priority and the preeminent one of his life. And he says, listen, you guys do what you wanna do, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is why your vision has to be written down and then it has to be stated and it can't be stated once in your life. You gotta state it and state it and state it and state it and say it and spray it and wheel it and deal it and make people f -f 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 feel it in Jesus' name. Are you with me? Come on. It's funny what talks change your life. You know this talk can change your life? I was 18. You're like, oh, that's a bit of an over-exaggeration, Pastor. No, it's not. Why? Because I was 18 years old and I was in my home church at Wollongong, Australia, an hour south of Sydney, beautiful part of the world. And a preacher came and preached at a conference. I think I was 18. And it was actually Brian Houston who was at that time not as known as he is today, but one of the most significant leaders in the whole entire body of Christ. I went to his church, there was maybe 400 people. It wasn't this huge church. And I invited Brian to come. And he got up there, oh, it was about loving God and loving life. 
And his mission statement at the time literally was that love God and love life. And I was like, oh, I like that mission statement. It was cool. He has kind of a zest about it and so forth. And I remember writing down at the time, love God and well, Jesus said the second greatest commandment is love people. So that became the second thing I wrote. And then I like Brian's statement, just love life. How many know you don't have to come up with it yourself? Like if you hear something good, just steal it. The best preachers are stealing things anyway from other leaders all over the globe. But I wrote this down as an 18-year-old that the mission statement of my life would be to love God and love people and love life. And then each year that I go and do, at the start of the year, I do, I do goals and I and love, what, what is my purpose? Love God and love people and love life. And then as my wife and I and many times would go away at the start of the year or October, November, December, we would pray for the next year and I'd say, God, what do you have for our church? And I'd pray about, well, God, what do you have for our church? But I'd find that He would always not tell, talk to me about the church, but He would talk to me about me. Because what you are and what you do are two completely different things. So He would always get me to focus on my relationship with Him first. That was preeminent. Why? Because I'm a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That is my most elevated position. And then secondly, I'm a father and a husband. And so I say, man, I want to build a great family. And the third thing was then it became the mission of the church. Because how many know that if you build the church, but don't keep your private life in order, eventually you fall apart anyway. That's the same with business. You can run the business, run after the business that you want and all those kinds of things. But if you don't build your private life, it'll fall apart anyway, anyway. Like, will it really be worth it if you got the business you want, but your, your, your wife hates you and your kids can't stand you? But I feel like our assignment is this week and, and I hope that you leave church and you just think deeper about your life. You think deeper, like, why am I here? If I'm a Jesus follower and He says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord my God with all of my heart and all of my soul, then maybe I should start there. And if He says to love people, maybe I should also put that a pretty big priority. And then He says, whatever you do to do is under the Lord, that means your work and your life. And that means also, He also says, if, if a man doesn't know how to run his own family, how can he lead the house of God? Then your family is a massive priority. How many know that? Yeah. But how many know that just because you know it's a priority doesn't mean you make it a priority because we live in an age of distraction. And let's be honest, even in the Garden of Eden, when it was perfect, there was still Satan there to distract and deceive. So if I am not writing down what I really think is valuable regularly, how many know that you believe something's important, but you don't do it? Ever been guilty of that? Say yes. Why do you need to write it down? Because how can you defeat distraction if you haven't defined what your destiny is? Let me say that question again. How can you defeat distraction if you haven't defined your destiny? How can you build a great family if you haven't defined it? How can you build a great business if you haven't defined it? How can you be healthy if you haven't defined it? How can you move forward in your finances if you haven't defined it? How can you move forward this year if you haven't defined it? 
Because I don't want you to just come to church and get inspired in a moment. There must be practical application as you outwork the Word of God in your life. Proverbs chapter 2 and 3 kind of says, My son, pay attention to my words, it says. Bind them upon your heart. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And then it says, And then you'll find favour in the sight of God and man. See, if, if, if you're single in here and if you don't define your purpose, anything with a short skirt that comes along will look attractive and be a distraction to you. If you don't define your purpose when you're single, then all of a sudden, yes, you're single and ready to mingle, but how do you know if you don't have purpose in your singleness and your datingness, even if that's a thing? And how many know that you, you'll probably break boundaries that you were hoping you wouldn't break? How many know that marriages don't just flourish by themselves? The weeds pop up in marriage all the time. And if you don't define where you're headed and what you want out of life, then weeds will pop up and weeds will grow. Think of this for a second. You've been on a plane and let me ask you a question. Has the pilot ever walked over and said, hey, would you like a beverage or a sandwich? How dare he? How rude is that, that he doesn't come and personally serve you? No, he's focused on his purpose. And how many know his purpose, if he gets distracted, will kill you? So maybe men in here and women in here, maybe if you get distracted from your purpose, it might look like you're being a waiter to someone and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm being something so nice. But you're meant to fly the plane. And I need you to fly the ship. Man, God needs you to fly the ship of your family. God needs you to actually know where you're going. That's why you can't just hear a message in a moment. You're gonna get around the right kind of brothers who are going in the right direction. Come on, potential is overrated, but environments matter. I'm preaching for someone's purpose today that you would get rid of the distractions of your life and begin to say, man, my life matters. If my life matters, your life matters. God has something unique and special for you, but you're gonna have to define it and you have to write it down. You're gonna have to wrestle it to the ground sometimes. And just because you've written it down sometimes, don't be, get discouraged that it didn't happen in a moment. Whoever said it was meant to be easy? Here's what I promised you, an easy life. No, you said I'll be with you. Moses, I've called you to an easy life. That's not my Bible. Is that your Bible? Disciples, I've called you to an easy life. How can you defeat if you haven't defined what your destiny is? Listen to Habakkuk chapter 2, the prophet, he says this. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation. Someone say, write it down. 
write down the revelation, make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation, that's God's revelation on the inside of you. It awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end. It will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. And I believe if you're waiting for it, you're working for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Let me share one more story and then I'll close. You know, Steve Rosek came up to me in between service. And he was probably 16 years old and a praying woman at a previous church that he was at came up to him and said, he was on the worship team. He was the guitarist and had long hair flowing. He thought he was Samson. But a praying woman came up to him and said, for some reason I see you playing and even maybe teaching in front of thousands of people. He's 16 and he literally blew her off. He's like. (laughs) I went to Madagascar with Steve and Steve got to play on our worship team in front of 5,000 people. Isn't it funny that God will give you hints along the journey God will show you some things. God will send someone to you that will tell you something. But guess what? You have to hang on to it. It doesn't just come to pass if you just sit there and just go, okay. I think of Denzel Washington getting a haircut. And there's this African-American woman sitting in the barbershop. He said, boy, I have a prophecy for you. You will go all over the world. And you'll speak to millions and millions of people. God will reveal your destiny to you if you'll seek it. But to fulfill your destiny, hear me now. But to fulfill your destiny, to fulfill your purpose, you have to hang on to the core values of your life. Because otherwise you can't do it. Leave leave this service today and don't just think that was a nice service. Think about your life. Write it down again. Write it down again. It, It might, here's the funny thing, it might even bother you. Like I'm worse than I thought. It might even challenge your marriage because you're like, oh, we're in a worse place, but you'd rather deal with it now because if you don't deal with it now, guess what? In a year, it doesn't get easier. There'll be more weeds in a year if you don't deal with it now. Come on, close your eyes all over this place. Those watching online, make sure you're attentive to this moment right now. Close your eyes, be in a prayerful moment. Get rid of distractions right now. Distractions are the enemy to your destiny. Spirit of the living God, I pray right now that over this church and over every man, every woman, God, there's some people in here today and maybe they haven't been in church a long time and they're not even sure about this whole purpose and plan thing, a destiny thing. And, but I pray that You would arrest them today and I pray that You would speak to them today. And I pray that You deposit something rich in their heart today that You would do exceedingly and abundantly more than all we ask or imagine. Spirit of God, help people prioritise Your purpose, Your plan for their life, I pray. You may be here today and you say, Pastor Anthony, if I'm honest with you, I don't know God. I don't know Him. I'm far from Him. And I'm going to ask you to pray a simple prayer. And that prayer will lead you to a person 
His name is Jesus. He died on the cross for you. He rose from the dead for you. He wants to bless you, wants to forgive you. He wants to literally spend eternity with you. He wants to send His Spirit into your life, but you've got to turn to Him and trust in Him and say, Jesus, I might've made a mess of my life, but I'm asking you to clean it up. You might feel like you're too successful, too moral. Let me tell you, your success, your morality, it, it, it doesn't compare to God's standard. Jesus didn't just die for what we would call the worst sinner. He died for every sinner because all of us have sinned. So in this place right now, why don't we pray this simple prayer? Say, Jesus, I turn to You. I trust in You. I ask You, come into my life. May I never be the same. Fill me with Your purpose. Plant me in Your house. Open my eyes to never be the same again. I ask You in Jesus' Name. If you prayed that prayer all across this place, would you raise your hand, raise it up high. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I just want you to raise it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's awesome today. Those saying yes to Christ for the first time. Those coming back to Christ. That's awesome today. You can put your hand down. Father, every hand, every heart, every life, would you strengthen them and build them by the power of your Spirit. Stand to your feet for a moment. Just an attitude of prayer right now. Say with me, I declare God has a plan for me. Help me discover it. Help me value it. Spirit of the God, breathe upon your church. Breathe upon them. Breathe upon them. Your powerful name. Come on, if you receive God's word today, give the Lord a hand.